old notion of, well, they could learn, you know, they have to learn English before they get to the United States. Are we just going to bring in people from Great Britain and Australia? Jim, it's actually, I have to honestly say, I am shocked at your statement that you think that only people from Great Britain and Australia would know English. It's actually, it reveals your cosmopolitan uh, bias to a shocking degree that in your mind, no, this is an amazing, this is an amazing moment. This is an amazing moment that you think only people from Great Britain or Australia would speak English is so insulting to millions of hardworking immigrants who do speak English from all over the world. Jim, have you honestly, Jim, have you honestly never met a an immigrant from another country who speaks English outside of Great Britain and Australia? Is that your personal experience? But that's not what you said. And it shows it shows your cosmopolitan bias. are listening to the liquid flannel podcast thank you for tuning in i'm chuck williams joining me in nebraska is brendan williams brendan how you doing hi i'm brendan williams i'm doing good <laughs> you are brendan williams indeed in the flesh and joining us in the digital in the pixels in arlington texas is the great matthew hodges matt how you doing lock her up lock her up <laughs> Lock her up. Uh, sorry, I just were you got, hanging out at a rally or something this weekend? Well, yeah, I just I just got back from the the most recent Trump speech, and I'm all I'm all jazz now. They play a lot of jazz at those things. Uh, not so much. It's it's uh it's mostly uh, Senator Kid Rock's music. Oh, <laughs> my name is Kid <laughs> Senator Kid Rock. Yeah, he plays. Uh, you can't always get what you want at all his rallies. Who does Trump does? <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Which is beautiful. I think he does it. He does it on purpose. He knows. He, he knows that he's just going to give them empty promises and shallow dreams. <laughs> but we're going to give you a great podcast. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to re- maybe change up his whole playlist when uh, this Russia probe. It looks like it's taking it to the next level. So, man, I think I that think we probe might. is getting intense. <laughs> He's feeling it. So, speaking of Russia, what do we what do we have here this week? You wanted to get into some talk about... Impaneled. Impaneled, indeed. Searches for impaneled have spiked uh, (laughs) since this announcement. (laughs) A lot of people say once this grand jury thing happens, once Mueller's investigation happens, Trump's going to be impeached. Problem solved. (laughs) Maybe not. Do we really believe that? Do we think that impeaching Trump's going to solve that problem? Yeah. You all know the kind of problems America's got. Right. We've got some serious ass problems, so... It's like whackable. You solve one, and a whole bunch more keep popping up. So yeah, well, and I would feel better about that if we didn't have a left-wing group of people, not necessarily a party altogether, who weren't trying to self-cannibalize right now. Last week we talked a little bit about the right turning on each other, and I guess uh, the left said, "Hey, you know, don't leave us out of all of that fun." So uh, right, well, it's it, you know, <laughs> it's been working for the Republicans. They're in power, right? So let's mm. let's just emulate what they're doing. That can only go positive. So, <laughs> as always, buckle up and we'll jump right in. 
there's been another grand jury impaneled by the special counsel, Robert Mueller. Here is what Jay Sekulow, one of the president's attorneys, has to say. This is not a surprise. The impaneling of a grand jury when you've got an investigation is typically how they move forward. But with respect to the impaneling of the grand jury, we have no reason to believe that the president's under investigation here. I think that Jay is putting very much the best face on this. It doesn't mean that anybody is going to get indicted, but it certainly means that this investigation, when it comes to Russian collusion, obstruction of justice, is just beginning. So it seems like Trump's not been doing so great lately. You don't say. I don't know. The Rasmussen poll still has him at solid, like, 37% approval rating. Isn't that Trump's favorite poll that he said validated how great he was when it hit 50 a while back? That is his favorite poll, yes. That's the only one he seems to believe. That's not a good look, yeah. Um, 538 does a great poll average, uh, but they also, they kind of monkey with the numbers in, in some ways that people sometimes find controversial. Like, well, they, I mean, they weight the polls to try to make them more reliable. Yeah, there's there's statistical magic that they do sometimes, and you can disagree with their methods. We were talking about the Rasmussen poll that Trump cited, and it's like consistently, he cited it because it's consistently rating him higher than most other polls. Right. So they kind of adjust it down back as a reversion to the mean. <clears throat> One of the things that's funny is that they have this projected where, you know, where's the poll? What's the range that the poll might hit going forward based on the current trajectory? But it also has a reversion to the midpoint. So it's way messed up now because Trump has been in free fall so long that it just looks like it like boing, like it would bounce back up because <laughs> the system really thinks, yeah, it should go back to the to about 50 50. Like that's where it wants to be. But mm. nope, just keeps falling. The bad news just continues for him because it has now been made public that special investigator Robert Mueller has impaneled a grand jury. So, I mean, Trump's going to get cuffed up and just walked into the people's court any day now. Can we get a little uh, law and order sound effect here? (laughs) No, we need law and order sound effect. Then we need the prices right when you go over on your bid or whatever. (laughs) All that and, and more. You know, I think like a lot of people when this news broke, they were like, what exactly does this mean? I immediately turned to one Matthew Hodges, legal scholar. (laughs) You've impeached like a ton of presidents, right? You know how all this works. I I wouldn't call myself a legal scholar. I'm (laughs) technically a lawyer, I guess. Uh, But yeah, so what it means to impanel a grand jury, essentially. Now, I'm, I'm not an expert on federal criminal law. I I still think that this is pretty much the same between states and federal law, where what you do is you put together a jury, sort of the same selection procedure that you'd use for, you know, a state jury that you might be hearing a drug case or something. You get a bunch of people together. You have people present evidence in a, uh, a closed forum with fewer of the kind of procedural rules you know this isn't the same as watching a few good men or something like that Um, they present the evidence and this jury decides not is somebody guilty or not guilty but they decide "Eh, it looks like there might be enough evidence here to bring criminal charges so it's it's essentially a, a jury that just decides on whether there's even enough to bring charges the thing about it is, in this case, it's such a big case, and 
Bob Mueller is, I mean, he's a competent individual, regardless of what you think about his personal politics. He would not probably have impaneled a grand jury if he didn't think that he was going to come out of it reasonably successful. Right. He's not just like throwing this together and just being like, well, I have no idea. Right. It's not just on a fishing <laughs> expedition. Right. It, it wouldn't or... seem like it. Right. If, if it's a total unsubstantiated witch hunt, like Trump continually says on Twitter, it seems unlikely that this dude would be like, well, let's let's see where it goes. <laughs> you know, let's get a bunch of people in here, present the case to them. Ride it out. I see- mean, unless unless they've done all this investigation and found that even with all of the just the weird ass shit that's happened with this administration, there's nothing that you could actually bring charges on, in which case he would probably also send it to a grand jury and say, okay, like prosecutorial team, bring your best case and the defense team is going to bring their best case and we'll see what the grand jury decides. But yeah, the thing about it is that something like 99.9% of federal cases that go to a grand jury go on to an actual trial because again, this is not deciding like, is this he's guilty for sure or whatever. It's just like, Hey, is it even enough to try to bring it to a trial? Yeah, that's right. And any anybody who has federal prosecutorial experience is going to know that you don't impanel a grand jury. He he would just not be bringing charges at all. Right. Or he'd be saying like, well, we need to continue our investigation in other ways before we get to this next stage, you know, where we're right, moving exactly. through the actual like legal proceedings process. So even if this this does go through, the next stage is impeachment because because the president has such a unique role in society, you don't just cuff him like he's O.J. Simpson and, you know, bring him into court or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, you have to go through this whole crazy impeachment process. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's a it, it's it's important to distinguish here. Right. Because criminal charges might be brought federally. Um, I actually don't know what the law is about charging the president with a federal crime, but certainly anybody in his immediate circle doesn't enjoy the same kind of privilege he has. Impeachment's a completely different proceeding, and that doesn't have anything to do with uh, criminal law. Usually, I mean, sometimes they'll use criminal law as their basis, but you can bring articles of impeachment. There's an amazingly broad authority for Congress to bring an impeachment proceeding, and it doesn't you don't have to cite a specific law that somebody broke in order to do that. Right. And in fact, the 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 phrasing that the Constitution says is that you can bring impeachment and removal of office for, quote, other high crimes and misdemeanors, which right. is not explicitly defined as like what that is. Right. So easy to get away with, probably. <laughs> That's how I read that. But uh, the, the actual process is, is actually quite lengthy and, and quite difficult because you have to get a majority of the House of Representatives to vote. They get, they actually kind of like vote on it like it's a bill almost to like yeah. pass it through the House. So simply not going to happen before 2018 at the very earliest. It doesn't seem like it, although there is a potential scenario where Trump is so unpopular and so toxic that even enough Republicans are saying 
yes, I will I will vote to start this process because it's kind of like with the healthcare bill where they have the vote to like, do we bring it to the next stage? And then it goes to the Senate and then the Senate has to vote on it. Mm-hmm. But the threshold in the Senate is two thirds. So literally you have to have 67 senators vote, vote for, impeachment. for impeachment as like a kind of a, as a guilty verdict on the trial of impeachment. And that is a extremely high threshold. Sure. And I just don't see that happening. Like that's so high. And that raises the question that I think you actually wanted to dig into, Brendan. Is it even a good thing if we did impeach Trump? Like even if they could get to that threshold, would that be would that be a positive step or not? One way of thinking about it is just starting this process is already super damaging to Trump, right? To even be at any stage in the process, regardless of sure. the end result. Right, which is why he wants to get rid of Mueller and all this stuff. Seven months into a presidency is not a good look, though. It's like a particularly <laughs> bad look. It is It is a an unprecedented bad look. He really set himself up for some sick Twitter burns with that early unprecedented. <laughs> Take him to the Twitter flub. bird unit. We got a bird twit up in here. <laughs> but the idea is that. And this is what happened to Nixon, right? Is that they said they started the impeachment process and then he was like, I resign. Like, right. I'm not, I'm not going to go, going to actually go through with this. Well, that's the smart right. thing because then you can be pardoned, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And you know, Trump loves, loves the pardon. So he, right. he might do this, he might do the self pardon, which is going to be, which is also going to be amazing. That'll be a constitutional crisis. That'll be, <laughs> it would be amazing if he did it, but. Not amazing in necessarily a good way. If he did that, what if all of a sudden the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man just starts marching <laughs> down the street? It's like crossing the streams in Ghostbusters or something, you know? It's, <laughs> he kind of looks like the Stay Puff it Marshmallow Man a little up bit. A portal right in DC. It turns, yeah, it turns out that uh, Steve Bannon was Prince Vigo the entire time. <laughs> oh, and... dude, and the streets are designed like a pentagram right at the White House. Mm. Oh, dude. <laughs> dude. This yeah. was meant to no, happen. It's all making sense now. <laughs> Dude. This would have been such a better Ghostbusters reboot than the one we ended up with. There's still Aww. time. <laughs> There's still time. After Trump gets impeached, he can play himself. Like he almost was going to do in Sharknado. Did you guys see that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was this? He uh, he almost got cast as the president in, what was it, like Sharknado 3? Yeah, it was like Sharknado 3. They were in serious talks with, with his people or whatever about that. Which I think would have been and great. It never happened because he became the real president instead. I mean, that's a sh- it's a shame yeah. because he would have been so much better as the president in Sharknado Three. I mean, it, that was the role that he was made for. Really, we could make this more realistic. It's like, sir, this is about tornadoes filled with sharks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the take on Twitter was like, no, Sharknado Three is now less ridiculous than the world we actually live in. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting Morgan Freeman. <laughs> right. Donald Trump's got the upper hand. <laughs> <laughs> Back to impeachment. But they also impeached Bill Clinton, but they couldn't get enough votes in the Senate to, to actually remove him. To actually remove him from office. So he got impeached, but then they were like, Oh, okay, well I guess literally like nothing happens other than be like, Well that was really embarrassing for you guys, wasn't it? Like 
Good luck recovering. But he did okay. And then when he left office, he was very popular, actually. Well, yeah, yeah. He, he left pretty popular. So, But, like, at what time in his presidency did that impeachment happen? Was it... It was in his second term, right? Yeah. It was near the end. I guess I mean, that's it true. It took forever, though. I mean, it was that was a years-long process. Right. Well, and that's part of the problem because when... So after Nixon, they passed the independent council rule where if the president was doing some shady stuff, they could hire an independent council that didn't report to literally anyone. It was not accountable to anyone. And they huh. could investigate whatever they wanted, basically. Well, so... Cong- there's there's got to be like some congressional committee or something. I think there is a committee, but the committee was basically only approving funding. That was it. Okay. Mm. And they were just basically saying like, we are, we're just not going to, we'll just approve any funding that you ask for because we're controlling the house and we want you to impeach the president. So here you go. Have all the money that you want. Right. And that's, that's how we ended up with uh... Ken Starr. Ken uh, Starr. Thank you. Ken Lay was only name that was coming to mind but uh different different guy right <laughs> right who started out investigating uh i believe what was called as whitewater which was a clinton scandal where they had some shady like real estate deals that's the one that like vince foster died in probably who knows yeah. i can't keep all of the scandals straight really so right. but anyway it didn't really go anywhere but it kicked off this investigation and then the investigation eventually found that bill clinton was having an affair with the intern Monica Lewinsky. So, but it had literally gone on for, yeah, like just years and years and years and years because they weren't really accountable to anyone. So they could just do whatever they wanted. So they just took their investigation as far as it could go. Right. You just keep subpoenaing people until you find something. Right. Until you get the president to be saying, like, well, you know, when you asked me, you know, is there a relationship? You asked. And I said, no, there is is not a relationship. Right, right. We broke up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Was, not is. Right, exactly. And so then they're like, haha, gotcha, uh, on the perjury or whatever, you know, on a technicality. So they just keep this thing going. So after that happened, and then when Bush got elected, we're saying like, well, maybe we should start investigating some shady stuff that Bush was doing. And then they were like, you know what? Maybe we should get rid of that rule because that whole Ken Starr thing was pretty crazy, huh? And d- Democrats were like, yeah, it was. We don't want that to happen again. Let's get rid of this rule. <laughs> right. So now you have a situation where Trump's doing some shady stuff, but there's not an independent person to investigate him. The person who investigates him is literally works for him. Right. And yeah. if he fires Jeff Sessions or tells Jeff Sessions to fire Mueller or tell his underling to fire Mueller because he recused himself. Which he can't because apparently this recusal, that carries legal weight. Apparently Jeff Sessions can't interfere in this investigation at this point. Right, but he can just keep going down the line to the next person that can and just bully them. Which is what happened with Nixon with the Saturday Night Massacre. Yeah, I suppose. But what I'm saying is, like, apparently the thing carries legal weight. That's why Trump wants to get rid of Jeff Sessions at this point, because Jeff Sessions can't even, like, tell an underling, call this off, because he's recused and, you know, the buck stops with him. I guess he's been had checkmate. Yeah. But like I said, even if this whole thing goes through and the whole impeachment process goes through, if he decides, like, I'm not going to resign, I'm just going to stay through the whole thing. And if they can't get 67 votes in the Senate, which is a which huge is a margin, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> Literally nothing else happens. He's still president. Nothing. He's not. Maybe there's a criminal trial separately or something or he gets fined, you know, or something like Bill Clinton. When he got impeached, he was disbarred like his mm-hmm. his law. 
And so they were like, he could never be a judge or be appointed to the Supreme sure. Court or anything like that. He can't practice law again. Trump doesn't care about that. They're not, he's not a lawyer. No, he is. He has literally nothing to lose at this point. They're going to just say, like, you can't be on Time Magazine anymore or whatever. Like, that's not going to happen. Okay. So. so so we've got to talk some real politic then because it's not like an impeachment proceeding wouldn't be bad for Trump, right? An impeachment proceeding, anything that's going to go forward with anything that looks even the least bit credible at this point, we know is going to like hamstring a sitting president. So I'm in favor of it. I think they ought to bring impeachment proceedings as soon as they can, except I don't want the guy to actually be impeached. I don't I don't want them to convict him. I don't want them to kick him out of office. Because if they had the ability to even do that, he's much more useful as this fool, syphilitic Fox News grandpa in office than would be like Mike Pence. I mean, you kick Trump out, you end up with Mike Pence. Even if you get Pence out, Paul Ryan becomes president. Like, I don't want to I don't want a president Paul Ryan. Well, uh, nobody you're not going to want. A president, anyone that that's down the list, whoever President Pro Temp is, you're not going to want that person either. But at least then you have a less distracted media, which totally sways things. I mean, it's like right now you've got people talking about the transgender ban in the military, even though that hasn't taken effect. There's no, there's no procedure, like there's nothing on it. Nothing's going to happen about it, but we're going to keep talking about it. I mean, he's going to be the distractor in chief. And I think that right now the big thing is a getting the distraction out and B that's like one less Russian tentacle that's, you know, fingering lady Liberty, (laughs) you know, like, uh, you know, seriously. I mean, I think that's, I think that's where I disagree with you, Chuck, because I like there being the distractor in chief because he's not he's not accomplishing anything. And if Congress can get to the point where they're actually like the House of Representatives is voting positively on articles of impeachment, he's got no power. He can't do anything at that point. He can make executive orders, but Congress funds all executive orders. So like he can continue to distract and make his party look bad. Oh, for sure. And still not necessarily affect anybody's life whereas but what's the if we actually if if they kicked him out like mike pence is a career politician he knows how this system runs he's like he's the bad guy in a west wing episode he's like the but he knows it enough to know not to even attempt certain things i mean that's the thing there's at least a certain modicum of respect or deference to the office you know right but that's that's that's, what i'm saying like the more trump does not knowing any of this stuff and obviously being i mean that transcript came out today of his conversation with the australian prime minister uh malcolm turnbull and it is it is embarrassingly bad he's just like no, I just, you know, I, I hate this deal because, like, it's going to make me look bad. Like, I'm I'm immediately going into office looking bad. And the Australian prime minister's like, okay, but you agreed on this. And, like, this is the way this shit works. So we're going to hold you mm-hmm. to it. And he's like, finally, like, 
I, you know, this has been the worst conversation I've had all day. And like, just gets off the phone real fast. The worse he looks in office, like the better for anybody left of Mike Pence. No, I, I don't believe that because it will literally, it will change nothing. We just talked about it the other day, how Democrats have essentially been handed a big time decision in Obamacare. And then they're turning around and talking about how they want to work with the other side. I don't know that. And with the corporate side of Dem- the Democrats, I, I don't know. I just I, don't see it being. I'm saying that with Trump, the Dems are playing on easy mode and they're still fucking up. So if we move to a more competent politician, I don't see them doing any better. I see them doing better when they feel like both sides are playing within the confines of the same rules. I, I definitely see that. That you you can't do that with Trump. You know, you can't act like he's playing within the rules because he clearly doesn't do that. That that's how it was even with the Republicans. They found that out in the primaries. But if the Democrats are only facing people that they think are playing within the same rules. I think it's a little different story. I think I think that they would do better in that regard. Yeah. I mean, I think regardless of if it's a good idea or not politically, the Dems don't even care because they think that it's more uh, like a moral imperative to impeach Donald Trump because of what you were saying, because like he's disgracing the office, which I think if you're talking about what's like actually happening, Matt, you're exactly right. Trump is ineffectual at governing. So if your goal is to not have a Republican government passing a bunch of laws that you disagree with, Trump's really good at getting that done because he's not doing anything. But the Democrats are going to get rid of him, you know, are going to try to do this impeachment thing, even if it's ineffectual, just because they think it's a moral victory for them to be like, well, at least we tried. They're right in that dragging him through this embarrassing impeachment process is going to be terrible for him. It's going to bring out the worst in him. And it's his his numbers are going to e- drop even farther than they already are. I mean, at that point, he's going to be making, you know, he's going to be calculating business decisions about his brand and whether or not, hey, maybe I just need to bail out now <laughs> right. because it's going to save my future, you know, before tax returns come out or whatever. I mean, <laughs> any of that. Oh, and I'm, I'm OK with all of this. I mean, to make right. my point super clear, I think the Democrats should absolutely bring impeachment proceedings. I just think they need to drag it out through his entire term and never actually try to convict him. Just make it go on for as long as possible. Because as soon as it's done, if they don't get the votes to actually remove him from office, then he just goes like, I win. Right. Back to Trump in, you know, he's going to treat like he's going to treat it like a victory and go back to ineffectual. (laughs) Right. I guess that's the the best case scenario. I think one (laughs) thing, though, though, that is a down potential downside is if they do actually remove him from office or he resigns because he's like, this isn't worth it. It allows the Republicans to say like, whoo, like clean slate guys, like, you know, back to normal, like forget that Trump thing that just happened, like vote for us anyway, where you got a lot of people out there now saying like, I don't know if I'll go vote for Trump, but if it's Mike Pence or somebody else, maybe they'll say like, oh, yeah, yeah, back to normal, like never voting for any moderate Democrat. I'm I'm really concerned about your, you know, the Republican voter that doesn't like Trump, but they'd probably go for a more like controlled and disciplined politician 
who is trying to do exactly all the same stuff. Right. So I think it could almost backfire on them in a way because if if you kind of get Trump out of the picture, then the Republicans can immediately you know, just turn back around and just say like, hey, Trump, but less tweets and less outrage. (laughs) And that's not a particularly good outcome for the Democrats. Yeah, but it's only two years, two, three years that they'd have to suffer through that. And hopefully at that point, that might actually be an even bigger factor in terms of mobilizing people in opposition. Yeah, I think, I mean, so. It just comes down to kind of how the Republicans react. If he went into re-election in 2020 with the albatross around his neck of like two years of impeachment proceedings, I mean, that's going to be at least enough to, I mean, that's going to galvanize more inactive voters than uh, like the Dems moving right on like abortion access. And you're definitely going to see if he is going through impeachment proceedings, a primary from the right. Like, I don't know if you can technically run for president if you're undergoing impeachment or have been impeached. It doesn't seem like you should be able to run again for reelection, but maybe. But even if you can, it seems like at that point, Republicans are definitely going to be trying to primary Trump and say, we can't go through with this in 2020. Yeah, they'll be they'll be fleeing the party. And like we talked about last week, that's already starting to happen. And he's not even I mean, we don't know what this grand jury even has been impaneled for yet. I'm going to say, couldn't it just be for other people, peripheral people within the uh, the scope of this whole thing. Yeah, like there was already Kushner a grand jury on on Flynn, mm. so that Robert Mueller kind of like took over supervision of once he started his investigation. So this is technically like the second grand jury, mm. but yeah, it's unclear exactly like if it's for a particular person or what. It's probably for the mooch. <laughs> oh, illegally bad uh, phone calls to reporters. Did you hear that Harassment. he may have to owe? He may be on the hook for $7 million of taxes now that's because just, of this whole situation. That's Trump change to the mooch. Bro. Well, right. But because he <laughs> sold his company, he has to right. you know, pay taxes on it. And he wouldn't have to necessarily do that if he was in his position with the government for like, I think it was like over 21 days or right. 30 days, but it was 10 days. So, <laughs> so now he has to pay $7 million. So yeah, well, that's, the, that's just the price of. Trump loyalty, man. Price is right. Price is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Scaramouche. Well, yeah. Speaking of uh, infighting and uh, and loyalty, you know, the right's tearing itself apart. The left wants in on that action too. Yeah, the left is not getting along very well. I do want to talk about that a little bit. All right, let's take a little break and we'll come back to that. Try B8654 Moscow. Yes, sir. You would never have found him through his office, Mr. President. Our premier is a man of the people, but he is also a man, if you follow my meaning. <laughs> what did you say? I said Premier Kissov is a degenerate atheist. Mr. Mr. President, I formally request that you have his ignorant brutal. I'm sorry, Mr. President. I think they're trying the number. It's been an incredibly difficult and honestly very frustrating conversation because, yeah, dude, I know that I'm white. I know that I'm super privileged. I'm straight. I'm cishet, white, grew up 
relatively privileged and tobacco bias. And that's not even the fucking problem. The problem is I'm watching a bunch of like black, queer, trans, female, whatever leftists get completely left out of the conversation because the liberal cognoscenti, the liberal commentariat has decided that anybody who's attacking any democratic person, you know, any democratic potential candidate is a sexist or a racist, depending on, you know, what fits the bill. Instead of responding to any kind of criticisms that people have of, you know, Kamala Harris, like her record on criminal justice is really bad. One option would be for them to say, you know, that was she did what she had to do to like get the job and get into the position. And here's how we're going to address the you know the the system that she was working in the other way to do it is to say like oh well anyone who criticizes her is a racist anyone who criticizes her is a sexist yeah and i mean there's a difference between saying like it's a shame that someone like kamala harris is you know so tied to you know unwinnable conversations about you know like race and sexism and stuff like that that a normal white male candidate wouldn't have to deal with there's a difference between saying something like that and saying like this particular person is a racist person because they said maybe she's not the best candidate on particular issues like right. Right. no and, and i agree you, with that's that. a totally I different do thing agree that there's also you know that uh a woman or a person of color is held to a higher standard that they're under more scrutiny to make sure that they have uh you know a, a cleaner record but when somebody goes after like a specific policy problem, you know, that's is that racism? Like we just we can't oh basically what they're telling the left is like you can never again like criticize any woman or person of color who is running under the democratic banner because that you know, that's just racism. Well, I'm really sorry for the non sequitur here, but speaking of record did you see that half of the people running for mayor of the city of Detroit are convicted <laughs> felons? Uh, no, I didn't, but that's awesome. Good, <laughs> and good it's for like, them. Well, that's fucking awesome. Are, are half right, of them right. also former mayors of Detroit or whatever? Didn't <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Actually, the incumbent is not a felon, and the uh, the other front runner is not a felon, but then I guess half of them are. And it's like gun crimes and assaults with the intent to commit murder and stuff like that so you have to wonder sometimes if those are like um, for the people though are those like people who are like being paid to run to get negative publicity or whatever you know what i mean well honestly and to and for detroit i mean what was it like detroit in the 70s 80s or whatever i mean if you're a person of color I think you could catch a charge really quick up there. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's some of that going on. Isn't there going to be like a movie about that coming out this summer? Detroit? It's already out. The, the Boyega movie or whatever? Yeah, I want to see oh, that. Yeah. I hear it's incredibly depressing. I'm sure it is. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's exactly. good. I mean, I think white people should be depressed about the state of people of color in this country. But you want it to be constructive depression and not, <laughs> <laughs> not. The, I don't even necessarily the, care about that. So that. I do think that mm. you know this problem with like the 
Nira Tandens and um, who's this other guy? The the people who were really upset about being called corn cobs on Twitter. Uh, Dude, oh yeah, I didn't even. I tried really jumping into the men's lib Slack and I saw that corn cob for a second. I'm like, what the hell? Is <laughs> all right, that? Man, all right. I am so see, because it's it's yeah. not actually that okay. complicated. The the Fill the whole in. corn cob thing grew out of a a tweet from Drill, who's like the godfather of weird Twitter, and the tweet yeah. is something like, like I'm not owned, I'm not owned. I say as I slowly shrink and turn into a corn cob. So it became this kind of shorthand for people who were absolutely getting owned online and still, you know, claiming that they weren't owned. And (laughs) that has become a thing that like lib Twitter has really gotten salty about, which it's like the gold standard. Now, if you can get one of these like liberal tweeters, to so get pissed off about being called a corn cob, that's like the best corn cobbing you could possibly do. It, it doesn't have it. It doesn't have any meaning outside of the context of being like a shitty person on Twitter who's getting right. owned in a discussion. Okay. Right. And that was that was what we were talking and about. Incapable. Wait, too. so it's not racist? It's not racist against Nebraskans? I'm not convinced. <laughs> right. Seriously. Are Nebraskans a race? Yes. <laughs> well, I just think it's biased against people that smoke corn cob pipes. Yeah, and no, frosted snowmen. Frosty. So that's like Nordic bias or right. something. I don't know. Yeah. What the hell? Check your non-snow person privilege. <laughs> yes. Jeez. You know, you walk out the door, you gotta think about a lot of things these days. Yeah, that's why. That's why Huckleberry Finn is actually the uh, the poster boy for the corn cob party. But yeah, I mean, I think on the racism thing, I think the fix on the racism thing is to just make, even though it's dumb, like make your criticisms constructive in a way, you know what I mean? Because I can totally see where people will fly off the handle and just be like, well, just if you're just pointing out negative things, then people might say like, well, look, this is your, this is, I don't want to say it's like racist, but I can understand how people would say like, why is this different from anyone else? Well, or just yeah. yeah, I mean, just to say, like, look, you're not, you're not, um, you're not advancing the discourse. You're just tearing someone down, and it's easy to tear them down because they're already at a disadvantage. Okay, I, I agree with that on to for the sure. But I think if if criticisms are coming from a specific policy perspective, like for instance, if somebody wanted to attack Hillary Clinton on the basis of being super cozy with Wall Street. Is that is that sexism? Um, I, no. I I'm not sure that it is. At least if someone has a record of also attacking like male politicians for being super cozy with Wall Street. Mm-hmm. No, totally. But like I said, I just think that that inoculates you from the from the attack of your being racist by 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 framing your criticism in a in a constructive and positive way. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm I'm in favor of that. And I mean, frankly, anything that would help the left be able to criticize some of these democratic candidates <laughs> you know, is going to be well, helpful. And that's, that's one of the things that is that differentiates the left and the right is that the left will is it's almost easier for the left to criticize their own candidates 
versus their other versus the Republican candidates because your criticism of the left is often more nuanced and and thought through. Mm -hmm. Where your criticism of the candidates on the right are like that person's a a crazy idiot. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. But the right is it's the total opposite. They will viciously attack people on the left for unreasonable things Mm -hmm. while just completely ignoring the flaws of their of their own candidates. Yeah. Case in point. Donald J. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Well, I, th- I think the thing that really frustrates me is, you know, the left was making very similar arguments against right. John Ossoff when he was running in uh, in New Orleans. And th- th- you didn't, and people you didn't say, have all these You're just saying that because he's a white male. Right. How, you know, <laughs> how, how his... You know the, the his detractors were like racist against white people or something like that. Like what? There, what no, they were racist against that, millennials. Like, Democrats want to use they want to use disenfranchised populations as a bludgeon against the left, but then their own policies are terrible for disenfranchised minorities. Well, it's interesting that you brought up John Ossoff because it's like. His opponent on the Republican side was or was a woman. So I mean, none of the people on the left were taking his criticisms of his opponent there and saying, "Well, that has to be misogyny or right. sexism yeah, or exactly. anything like that." But when it's when it's you know Ossoff against maybe someone also running on the Democrat side. It, they're tossing that yeah out. for sure well and you you see the same thing when somebody criticizes like nancy pelosi like maybe nancy pelosi isn't the most right. effective leader of the democratic party simply because everybody fucking hates her and they're like oh you just don't like to see a woman in power like well no uh if if it were i mean like if chuck schumer had the same reputation and the same just terrible mix of policies like we'd probably be attacking him too at the same level yeah well i don't think that's borne out by the evidence (laughs) you don't think so you don't think that that if uh that if there were like a white man who had all of nancy pelosi's same policies he'd get he wouldn't be dragged the same way by republicans and the left um no that's a good i mean mean, barney frank got it pretty bad Barney Frank also is LGBT, so I mean that kind of there. There's that same potential for for the possibility of there to be subversive reasons to opposition to that person in addition to the. Yeah, I suppose I so, know. but I I think my I think my overall Barney Frank is that like people want to treat mm-hmm. like the left and the alt right as the same because they hate the same people, and so they want to make it so that the left and the alt-right hate the same people for the same reasons. And I think that's where the, right. that's where the calculus completely breaks down. You know, um, the left, okay. The left has not always been the most inclusive place though. I mean, if you look at the history of the left in this country, it has been way more inclusive than any of the major parties, but whatever, maybe like in the, you know, the last couple of decades, it hasn't been the most inclusive place, but it's working on it. And the left of any party is more aware of, or the left of any wing of a party is more aware of, like, identity issues. Mm. And isn't, I don't know, I I don't think that we're cultivating this, uh, 
like misogynistic, racist, transphobic sort of environment that the liberal commentariat wants to make it out to be. I think they I think they're using that as a shield for instead of addressing their own shitty policies, they can just call people racists. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, transphobic or homophobic and all of those kind of things. I yeah, mean. exactly. Yeah. I think a lot of this comes out of the fact that people on probably on both sides of the political spectrum, but mostly on the right will routinely make like false arguments that they don't agree with Mm. so strongly that you think that those are serious arguments. Like, like when, um, like when that fucking, uh, Stephen Miller dude was doing (laughs) his, his press conference and he started saying like, Oh, you think that only Australians and British people are like the only people that I'm speak offended, English or whatever? Sir. Like I, you're I you're shocked. the racist, you know? That's cosmopolitan right, bias. Exactly. What the hell is what the hell is cosmopolitan bias? It's it's code word for Jew, apparently. Well, it's absolutely code that, but Jew. I'd yeah. like to believe that but it's actually Jewish. code word for people. No, who... not this guy. Who? Stephen Miller? Steve Miller is Jewish. He grew up in a Jewish family. Not anymore. <laughs> hold up, hold up. I'd like to believe that I'm cosmopolitan up. bias uh, is people who uh, really only pay attention to articles about like 15 ways In to Cosmo. please your man's dick. <laughs> to please your man. <laughs> that's, uh, that's that CNN guy or Jim Acosta or whatever to a T. He's like up in that mm, grocery store every right. day. Um, but I mean, he'll go out there and say like, I can't believe you would denigrate, you know, the 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 people's, you know, the English-speaking brown people of the world in that way, sir. You know, where it's like, it's a completely disingenuous argument, but they're using it because it is effective at stopping the debate, and it just makes, it just lowers the discourse of Oh, absolutely. And I think it just, it leaves people primed to say that stuff. For the longest time, I've wanted for people on the left to be like better at this kind of discourse, you know, do the same kind of propagandizing that the right does. And now that it's actually happening, you've got your, uh, near Tandons and Louise's mensch and like, it's <laughs> terrible. Like I go back, like go back to what it was before. It was better when people were actually trying to be honest on the left. Oh, for sure. But like, I don't know, man, it's just, it is so frustrating because you look at the way that the right does it. Like, when they were attacking, like, it's almost like the way the way that the right has been framing arguments is that they'll go out and say, like, you know, Hillary and Obama are so terrible. They are, you know, they're breaking the law. They're doing all these illegal things. They're straight up murdering people. You know, they're despots gone mad with power. Right. So that justifies us to do it worse because... We're just, you know, we're just defending. Yeah, we're the freedom fighters to what they're against doing, right? the, so, you know, the autocracy. Right? They, they basically say like Obama's an autocratic, you know, dictator who is overriding Congress or what, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he's writing his secret backroom Obamacare deals, you know, cutting backroom deals, mm-hmm. making a secret bill. So it's okay when we do it now, even worse because like Obama's Obama because started to, it, right? They're setting <clears> those lines or whatever. It, yeah. Um. And it's super effective for them 
but also like I don't want the left to do that because it's fucking shitty. Well, well yeah. it's shitty and, and it causes us to fight amongst ourselves, you know, like, again, like the Kamala Harris thing. I don't I do not have a personally super strong opinion about Kamala Harris. Uh, you know, she seems electable. That's that's good. Like, mm. that's good for me. I, I think that the Dems need to be putting forward electable looking candidates. And I think it's right. shitty that. If somebody comes at her from the left and says, like, what about this policy that you supported? Instead of just engaging in that debate the way the left, the left and the liberals, anybody left of Mike Pence, basically, uh, has ever done and say, like, look, you know, this happened and, you know, this is this is what the senator supports now. It's just like now you're sexist. Like you're you're a Bernie bro. You're a Chapo Trap House listener. Like, you're obviously a white person, which is terrible when you've got a whole bunch of uh, leftists who are people of color or queer or trans or women out there on Twitter going, like, I want answers to this, too. And they're like, nope, everybody who's criticizing Kamal Harris is like a white Bernie bro. Right. Well, and, you know, honestly, to to most of those people, I want to say the fact that you're that you you're caring right now in 2017 about who's running for 2020 is kind of a misplaced prioritization of what needs to be happening right now. I mean, if, if you want to talk about Kamal Harris near 2020, that's fine. But if we're talking about one first term senators and stuff, why don't we give this a little bit more time before we even have this discussion? I mean, I would like to, I would like to just be over the last election and just kind of reset now. And, and <laughs> I mean, good luck live with in that, the moment. Though. Nobody's over the last election. Well, I know, I know that we can't be over it, but it's like I would like to not just go straight from 2016 to 2020. There's like a few years in here that stuff is going to happen in, and we need to be kind of focused on that too. So, no, I totally agree I with know. you, Chuck. And I mean, that's yeah. that's been a big problem. And it's a major frustration with, like I said, anybody who's left of Mike Pence that we're all everyone is so interested in relitigating the 2016 election. And it's been going on for I mean, we're we're six months into the Trump presidency and we still have the left going after liberals and liberals going after the left and people pointing fingers and saying, like, look, you know, you voted for Bernie, like Bernie's trying to split the party or Bernie Sanders supporters pointing at Hillary Clinton saying, like, look, she didn't do enough. Uh, she didn't campaign in these places. She didn't, uh, you know, she didn't have any kind of a policy platform that people could get excited about. And what's the truth is probably like both of those things, you know, both of those things are probably right. true. And both of those wings could probably be learning from each other and putting together something that's really potent for, I mean, the 2018 election, you know, like we're going into 2018 right. election season now. And if everyone could pull together, we could probably retake Congress, but there yeah, are but some, there's some super dedicated people <laughs> Who don't want to? Who don't want that to happen? They they'd rather be right than win. Well, you know, it's seriously it's the equivalent. It's like when people start putting the Christmas decorations up after Halloween. It's like, <laughs> you've got another holiday in the middle there that you need to kind of plan for and and prepare for. So you know, it's it's the exact same thing. Democrats 
are being given the biggest gift in the world of one of the most dysfunctional Republican parties we've seen in my life. Absolutely. In terms of, you know, just not being able to function without just a swirl of scandal and dissent and resentment, even within their own party, which we even covered on the episode, you know, just the other day. But Democrats aren't going to take advantage of that if they're too busy cutting at each other. So Yeah. But I mean, there's something to be said for like the process of like what's supposed to happen is you go through all these, you know, processes of like who's rate, who's mm. who's running, you know, who who's they're having debates like I mean, on the Republican side last time when when Trump won, there was like debates where they had to split the debates into two different sides right, yeah, they, yeah. because like there were so many people running. Something. I mean, do you right. think that's going to happen on the Dem side here coming up? I hope not, man. I mean, not if the if not not if the DNC and the DCCC commentariat have anything to say about it. Well, I mean, I guess I'd rather see it something like that happen rather than something like what happened last time, where the DNC was put, putting their finger on the scale for you know one candidate, and there, there's only two candidates. I mean, having only two candidates. Just leads hey, to there's another guy. Polar. Well, I mean, there's yeah, right. I mean, at <laughs> first there was four people or whatever with Lincoln Chavy in there. Yeah, I was gonna say as long as Jill Stein never gets anywhere close to a ballot again, I'll be happy. Right. As long as she never gets close to a dinner table with Putin again, <laughs> and yeah, she can have as many dinners. Probably as she happen. Wants. I just don't want to have anybody have the choice to vote for her. Sure. But I almost wonder if having like a larger primary would allow the left to in a way kind of work through some of these issues right work through them because part of that process is supposed to be that you're by having a discourse by debating by having you know discuss you know seeing who can win the argument who can win public support you're supposed to kind of work through some of those those issues you would love i would love for that to be true but as we witness with the republican party it would be easy for someone who really does not have an overwhelming majority of support to just kind of coast through there and make fun of people and take pot shots and actually avoid substance and just be a celebrity on stage or whatever, you know, Zuckerberg 2020. I think the thing is, I mean, Hillary was the, you know, she was the like Vegas odds, like, you know, 99 to one to win. Right. Because she was the one who was actually experienced, but I think we can look at it in hindsight and go like, well, she didn't win because A, she was a problematic candidate and B, because the Democrats didn't put forward a terribly exciting. I mean, what was it like 47 percent of the country simply didn't vote in the last presidential election? If they had picked up one percent of voters by offering them something that they wanted to vote for. She would have won in a landslide. I mean, she won the popular vote. She would have won in an electoral landslide as well. Mm. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so here then is a lesson in safe logic. I cried when they shot Medgar Evers. Tears ran down my spine. And I cried when they shot Mr. Kennedy As though I'd lost a father of mine 
But Malcolm X got what was coming He got what he asked for this time So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Get it? <laughs> Brendan, tell me who the hell I'm looking at right now. <laughs> so uh, this is our high note, right? For, this is a high note. For our high note this week, we we weren't <laughs> sure what to talk about, but we were like, "What's been in the news lately?" And we had to talk about this ridiculous human person. <laughs> uh, is it a human person? I we'll find out. Uh, so Trump's pick for the USDA which is the Department of Agriculture, to be the chief scientist, has a blog post from 2011 where he called Democrats and progressives liars, race traitors, and race traitors. So like traitors, <laughs> like fur traders, like the, back in the day, you know, they set up the trading is that like a Is that like a slave trade? They, they traded races. No, I, I think it's more like uh, when you're playing Magic the Gathering <laughs> and you- Oh, uh, yeah. You know, like swap out, swap out cards. Yeah. Uh, you got like an instant that yes. allows you to swap out. He was just like slamming them for like I played D and D with some progressives, and like every character they rolled was a different race. It's like just pick one, <laughs> like and race traitors, traitors. Uh, of course, is where your friends or ever speak or interact with anyone who's a different race than you. I guess. Yeah, they yeah. betray your race. <laughs> On the prison yard or something. I'm not sure where that would be. Um, but the one thing that should be clear about this Clovis guy is whether it's like Dr. Clovis. Dr. Clovis. Doctor <laughs> has never been around an actual race like a foot race at all. This dude looks like, yeah. Looks like he put an easement on Barney Frank's body. I don't know. No, no, totally. He looks like a... He's he's basically like a Kurt Vonnegut character. I mean, down to the name. Yeah. You know, um, like greasy slick back, like yeah. silver fox hair, except he also looks like Dr. Robotnik right. from the neck down. You know, if Robotnik and Alfred Hitchcock had a baby, you know, that, it would be <laughs> Sam Clovis. Yeah, man. I, ca I cannot believe this guy. Yeah. And to be the top scientist or whatever – and just be like, all Democrats are race traitors. Like, what? Like, how are you a scientist, man? Like, that's yeah. not. Well, it wasn't even. It wasn't even Democrats are race traitors. It's that uh, progressives are race traitors. Uh, right. Not not defined. Not clearly defined. <laughs> just anybody who's more progressive than he is. I suppose right. that seems like a big bucket. Well, yeah, and if you're, it's like I'm progressive about um you know women's rights and he's like you you freaking race traitor look it's at like, the right you can be progressive about a lot of things look at how the Ohio the sioux city journal iowa newspaper headlines this story clovis's old blog posts on racial themes are highlighted racial themes <laughs> <laughs> yeah of are are highlighted because it's the most interesting yeah. thing about this guy who looks like bizarro world Santa yeah. Claus. I'm sure if someone like Michelle Obama said like all alt-right people are race traitors um, <laughs> that they would have 
you know, covered it in such a, a measured tone, you know? Absolutely. Well, I, I love this. Absolutely. I love this line from the guardian that, you know, Clovis is a departure from previous USDA's chief scientists without a strong science background. It's like, no, yeah, that actually sounds like it probably would be a pretty big departure. Well, you know, without a strong science. Background. What we really need yeah, before is before we had scientists and now we have a, not a scientist, right. but he I has mean... a PhD. That's science. He's a doctor. What, yeah. from like Bob Jones? Yeah, it's a PhD. I'm looking it up here. Hold it's on. a PhD in race baiting, I think. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> he does seem to be an expert at that. Yeah, interesting, interesting, uh, like, reworking of a perspective here where, uh, you know, he, he also accused progressives of keeping minorities in this country enslaved to government with the supposed desire to essentially eliminate people of color from the American landscape. Ooh. Like who, who are you working for? He's going, and like you're so working for a president you, who wants to like build a wall and ban all immigration. He's working you, for the USDA, man. Holy shit. Can you believe that this dude went to the air force Academy? Like that was a long time. I was going to say, like <laughs> it, it doesn't have date. This, this Wikipedia page is the worst Wikipedia page. No, nah, he was uh, like, he was like the tire guy though. This he, We're not talking top gun here. <laughs> right. No, he didn't even get to like operate the, like the fuel pump. So he went, he went to us air force Academy. Then he received his MBA at golden gate university and a PhD from the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. <laughs> dude, this dude rolls, that's for sure. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm sorry. We're body positive. The dude is nothing but rolls. We are body positive on liquid flannel. However, <laughs> however, this dude. Yeah, I, I, will, I will make an exception if you are literally a cartoon caricature of a, of a Southern racist. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, he looks like he's about ready to put on some Colonel Sanders shit. Oh, or... Did you guys, did you guys see where they took old episodes of Captain Planet and uh -huh. dubbed them with, uh, with Trump and Al Gore? No, oh, it fantastic. was, it was pretty funny. I'll have to check that out. They fit, they fit pretty well. There's a, there's a Captain Planet character called Hoggish Greenlee, <laughs> uh, which, which is a perfect animated version of the current president. Well, I think we definitely achieved the high note this week. There we go. <laughs> About as high as it can get. Um, well, thank you for uh, tuning in. And yeah, so I guess this is kind of the new format now. We're changing recording days. And, you know, we hope you all enjoy that. But definitely give us feedback on that and anything else and be sure to rate us on itunes and follow us on soundcloud also be sure to follow us on twitter at liquid underscore flannel and find us on youtube uh you can follow us where else are we at we got facebook dude page. we're yeah, everywhere we're on facebook dude, now. just google it we're man. on facebook man we're all around yeah, just, the world just google liquid flannel you'll find us yeah you'll, you'll find us out there and you can also find <laughs> us individually starting with me at shaggy two trope brendan where can they find you i'm at brendan williams with one l and matt where are you at i'm at matt the great with a w all right thanks for tuning in guys we'll see you next week cheers
But the bottom line is that the Paris Accord is very unfair, 